Psalm 90. Tonight we're going to look at a prayer of Moses. And he's listed here, it says here, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. So often a man of God or a woman of God or a teen of God is a person of prayer. How much we spend alone with the Lord is reflected in everything we do, every way, everything we think, every place we go. As we just spend one-on-one time with Jesus, it's reflected in everything we do. And you think of Moses, you think of the three divisions of his life, the first 40 years, where he was just in Pharaoh's court. You know, as a little infant, he had no control over his life, but his mom, being a woman of faith, put him in a body of water, and trusted that the Lord would guide him and protect him when all the infants were being slaughtered. And we know the story that God was faithful. Moses' name means drawn, drawn out. And eventually he was drawn out by Pharaoh's daughter and raised in Pharaoh's court. So you have 40 years Moses is in Pharaoh's court. And so many times, Egypt is a type of the world. So we can relate to Moses as being a person of the world. Because before you and I accepted Jesus into our hearts as Lord and Savior, we were embedded in the world. Just like Moses was. And maybe just like Moses, you had a praying mom or a praying dad or praying grandparents who just interceded on your behalf and maybe is still doing that. And maybe you've picked up the baton and you're interceding on someone's behalf at this point of their lives. Well, something happened in those 40 years that Moses was in Pharaoh's court. Something's happened to you or me while we've been in the world. God has drawn us out of the world. We're in the world, but we're no longer a part of it. However, just like Moses being drawn out of the world, there's another aspect of Moses' life. He went from being in Pharaoh's kingdom for 40 years out into the wilderness for 40 years. And maybe tonight you feel like you're in a wilderness. Maybe there's something going on in your life right now that you don't understand. And like Moses, maybe you feel detached. Here's Moses. He's a shepherd. And he's been uh, shepherding sheep for 40 years. And check this one out. He's, it's not, they're not even his sheep. They're his father-in-laws. So think about that. It's one thing if they're your own. But they're not even your own, and you're taking care of them for 40 stinking years. It's a long time. And I think of that, and I say, well, Lord, it took 40 years 
to get the world out of Moses. And then I think of myself, how long, Lord, is it taking you to get the world out of me? And then the last 40 years of Moses' life, he's leading the people, over 3 million of them, out of the, or through the desert. The goal is the promised land. But only two actually make it out of the promised land. The generation, the group that Moses leads out, all die in the wilderness because of their complaining, because of their disobedience. But there's some neat aspects in the psalm that we're going to look at tonight. And what I'd like to just encourage you is maybe you're at the point tonight where God needs to break you down. Maybe you're at the point where God wants to build you up. Maybe you're at the point where God wants to make you think about something that's been buried for a while, that's hidden, that He just wants you to give to Him. Whatever it is, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit just leads you to that spot that you can be like the men who came out of the wilderness and entered the promise land. For us, that we enter into the promises of God and we don't die in the wilderness. That we move on from where we are into the places God wants us to be. In verse 1 it says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. We know the verse that God is our refuge and our help. That He is our strength. But I want to ask you tonight, is that something that you have experienced or is it still just a verse in the Scriptures? You know, these three million people that were in the wilderness, their fathers and their grandfathers before them never really had a permanent dwelling place. They moved from one place to another. Moses, throughout his whole life, whether it had been in the courts of Pharaoh, to the wilderness, to the, time he was, uh, to the time he died, he never had a permanent dwelling place. But yet he can write, Lord, You have been our dwelling place. He found out that this world was temporary. Think about it. Think about when you were growing up. The house that you lived in. I doubt any of you are still living in that house today. But yet for that time, it was your comfort. It was your home. You were relaxed there. You felt safe there. That was your dwelling place. God wants us to be in Him where He's our comfort. We relax in Him. He's our rest. We see the faithfulness of God in verse 1. In all generations, He is our dwelling place. It doesn't matter what comes or goes. You and I are getting every day closer to seeing that dwelling place. 
Every day we wake up, we're one step closer to the realization of being face to face with the Lord. Verse 2, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting you are God. He's the Alpha, the Omega. He's always existing. One of the things in where it says, even from everlasting to everlasting you are God. One of the things I study today that my mind can't even understand it. But go back as far as you can remember. As far as you can remember. And then try to go beyond that. And there's a vanishing point where you just forget everything. Well, before that vanishing point was, in the past, God was there. And then reverse it. Think as far as you can into the future. And then go beyond that. And God was still there. I heard something today coming here, and I might mess up the numbers, but the, the idea is just the magnitude of this. There's a solar system that has 50 billion suns. And the width of it is like 50,000 light years is the width of it. So when you think of the vastness of that, Think of how tiny our biggest problems are. He's God. He's got everything wired. He's got everything under control. Verse 3, you turn man to destruction and say, return, O children of men. You turn men to destruction and say, return, O children of men. One of the verses I thought of when I was reading this was from dust we came and to dust we will return. Little girl heard of that uh, verse one time in Sunday school. And when she went home, she woke up one morning, looked under her bed and saw these dust balls. So she ran down and said, mommy, mommy. There's a man under my bed, but I can't tell if he's coming or going. <laughs> but how we came from the dust and we're going to return to the dust. And how he is the potter and we're the clay. Even as I teach here tonight, my prayer is, Lord, anything that I'm reading from your word, just chisel away at any hardness. And anything that's still soft and pliable, just mold it into more of what you want it to be. Is that your prayer? God is constantly working on each one of you. You know what's an encouragement whenever I come to uh, teach here? To see the same faces over and over and over again. Such faithfulness. Don't ever take it for granted what God wants to do every time you sit at His feet, whether it's in a fellowship like this or one-on-one -on -one at home. He's constantly molding you and making you into the man or woman He wants you to be and preparing you for what's coming around the bend. 
So you're a great encouragement when I see you here tonight. Verse 4, For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, and like a watch in the night. People criticize the Lord. And I don't know if you've ever been in a conversation with people who says, well, you know, the Lord says He's going to come quickly. But where is He? It's been over 2,000 years, you know, since uh, Jesus was on the face of the earth and said these teachings. You know, He's not going to come back. And one of the things you can say to them is say, well, you know, that a day is like a thousand years to the Lord. So in effect, he's only been gone a couple days. You know, we can lose sight of how in the whole frame of eternity, how long is 70 years? How long is 80 years in the realm of eternity? It's very minute. But we get caught up in the time where God is outside of time. And even that is a concept that I start getting a headache when I start thinking about that one. A watch in the night. You know, just think about last night, if you had a good night's sleep, you laid down, you fell asleep, and you woke up. It was over. Bang. The brevity of life. How quick it is. Verse 5, You carry them away like a flood. They are like a sleep. In the morning they are like grass which grows up. In the morning it flourishes and grows up. In the evening it is cut down and withers. And here in these verses we see the shortness of life. You know, we see that death is a dimension. Just as life is a dimension. And you might be saying, boy, this is a depressing first few verses. Well, it can be if you don't know where you're going can easily be. But again, remember, Moses is at the point right now where he's writing this, where he understands that all these people are going to die in the wilderness. And many have died along the way in the 40 years. And I just wonder if throughout all the desert, as Moses was going around and around for those 40 years. I think it was supposed to be like an 11-day journey. But it took 40 years to do this trip because of all the flesh that was in the way. How many graves were out there in the desert? How many mounds that they, Moses could look at and see that this is where people were buried from his flock. And Moses, when he was 40 years as a shepherd, I wonder how many of his father-in-law's sheep he had to put down and bury too. I think one of the things that happened to Moses is he understood the brevity of life. He also understood the sovereignty of God who was really in control. Moses knew it wasn't him because he went from Pharaoh's court to the wilderness to now leading three million people out of the desert 
to a land he didn't know, but he was a man of faith. He trusted God. He saw God's hand in his life through the good times and the bad times. Through the right decisions and the wrong decisions. He still trusted the Lord. How do you feel and how do I feel when there's death in our lives? Does it spur you on to be closer in your walk with the Lord? Knowing your frailty. Knowing that your time is short. I wrote down a couple things here. That a person who lives to 70 years old is guaranteed 25,550 days. If they live to 80, they're guaranteed 29,200 days. Check this one out. If anybody is 35 years old, they have 12,000 days remaining before they hit that 70-year-old mark. So they were given, if they're, let's just base it on 70, 25,550 days. 12,000 days left if they're 35. If they're 55, they have 3,475 days. That's a trip when I wrote this down. Because when you say 25,000, like, those are a lot of days. But when you start getting 3,000 or 3,400, you're saying, holy mackerel, we're running out of time. Do we keep it in perspective? I know many times I don't. You know, maybe at the birth of a baby, the death of someone, maybe when you prepare a teaching, you think of the brevity of life and the, how time is really rolling along. And how many times do you think the time's rolling along for everybody else but yourself? Right? You say, oh boy, that guy looks older. And he's 20 years younger than you when you say that. But we don't project it to ourselves. It always seems to be towards someone else. So the brevity and the quickness of life. Verse 7, For we have been consumed by your anger, and by your wrath we are terrified. I wrote this down, and I said, Boy, you know, Moses, think of the things that Moses and the people went through where they saw God's anger and His wrath. You know, I think some of the things that just came to my head when I was doing this was the angel of death with the blood on the doorpost where there was crying throughout all of Egypt for the firstborn that was killed. I think of God's wrath and His anger when the Egyptian army was just drowned in the Red Sea. I think when Moses came down from the mountain and the earth opened up and swallowed all those guys that were in rebellion against God. Boy, I tell you, I mean, we can see that. Just thinking about it now, we see it. Can you imagine being a person who saw each of those things take place? 
and the impact that must have on your life. But at the same time, think of the humanness of the people who went through it, that in just a week, two weeks, a month later, they go back to complaining, even though they saw the power of God. That's scary. That's scary to me. To understand that we could fall into that apathy and that hardness to not keep the freshness of the power of God in our life daily. And that does not have to be. It doesn't have to be. As we sit at the feet of Jesus, as we pray, as we read His Word, as we fellowship one another, we just kept getting built up stronger and stronger and more alive. Not more hardened, but more alive and fresh. Verse 8, You have set our iniquities before You, our secret sins in the light of Your countenance. Psalm 139.3 says, Thou compass my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Verse 4 says, For there is not a word on my tongue that you, O Lord, knowest it altogether. And then Job 34.21, For his eyes are upon the ways of man, and he sees all his goings. Think about all the things that God knows about you and me. Even the things that we have that we've forgotten that He knows. However, the great news is if you are washed in His blood, all that stuff that you recall, God doesn't even know it anymore. He's cast it away. So maybe you're here tonight and you're one of those people remembering last week, last year, 20 years ago. And it's keeping you stumbling in your walk with the Lord. You need to claim the promise of God that He's cleansed you from all that sin. It's not there anymore. That's a lie of the enemy. And God wants you to move on. That can be the very thing that's keeping you in your wilderness experience with the Lord. Bury it. Bury it. That's my encouragement to you. Bury anything that's old. Bury it in the desert. And walk away from it into the promises that God has for you. That's so important. doesn't matter how young or old you are. That wilderness experience is some place that you want to move from and be in a position where God can really bless you and use you in a special way. There's nothing secret to the Lord. He is light. There's no darkness in Him. When He comes into a situation, He magnifies and brightens up anything in there. Anything in your heart that He wants you to know. Well, when He shows it to you, give it to Him. Just put it at the foot of the cross. One more thing to put at the foot of the cross. There's enough ground there for everybody. And then just move on. Verse 9, For all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. 
Another version says, we finish our years like a tale that is told. I always liked the analogy when I first heard it that God is above all things and He sees our life like a parade going by. He sees the beginning, the middle, and the end. He knows everything. He knows how it's all going to work out. We don't. So why do we worry about it when we can just put our faith in the One who knows the beginning from the end? How easy does that sound, huh, when I say it? But boy, the experience of it takes the Holy Spirit to change your heart and your mind to be able to really understand that God is outside of time, that He sees everything that's going on in your life even today, and He's got it all under control. The biggest thing is that He's number one and that we see Him before we see any other situation or any other person or any other problem in our life. I don't think we have to finish our years like a sigh. You know, these people were promised by God that they were going to perish in the wilderness. They were not going to go in to the promised land. But there's an encouragement here when we get to verse 12 on that will come back to what I just said to you here. But if anybody needs to have sizes, these people that weren't going to enter the promised land. They were going to die in the desert. But Moses, who is a type of Christ, is interceding on behalf of these disobedient people. Guess who's interceding on your behalf and my behalf even right now as we sit or I stand here? Jesus. 24-7-365, He's interceding on your behalf. He's praying for you. That is a great encouragement, or it should be. Verse 10, the days of our lives are 70 years, or 25,550 days. And if by reason of strength they are 80 years, or 29,200 days, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. We're a heartbeat away from eternity. We're one breath away from being in the presence of the Lord. Not guaranteed the next breath. Or the next one. Or this one that's coming up. We're not guaranteed it. But it's by His grace that we have it. He's keeping the heart pumping. The lungs moving. The eyes blinking. Why? Because He doesn't want to take you yet. He knows why you're here and what He wants you to do to bring glory to His name. Are you dwelling in the earth or are you dwelling in the Lord? Where's your heart? Verse 11, who knows the power of your anger? For as a fear of you, so is your wrath. 
I can honestly say that I don't know the wrath of God. I don't know the power of His anger. I've never experienced that. I felt His love and His compassion, His forgiveness, His long-suffering. I've shown more anger to others than God has ever shown to me. And it grieves me when I say that to understand how God has treated me. Yet if He treated me the way I treat others sometimes. Sad. But He works on our hearts. He's changing that. He's doing a work in each of us. So we look at the first 11 verses and we go, wow, ouch. Well, you know, there were two guys, Caleb and Joshua, who came out of this generation, who entered into the promised land because they believed the promises of God. They clung to them. They weren't caught up in what they saw. They weren't caught up in what they saw. They believed in the one they did not see. Where is our trust and our hope? I know like me, it fluctuates. I get caught up in what I see, the circumstances. Then other times I'm walking strong. You know, it doesn't matter what's in front of me. It doesn't matter how big that giant is. Well, let's see in the last several verses what goes on here. As a result of the first 11 verses, Moses comes to the realization through experience, verse 12, So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Jesus said He's going to come back quickly. It's a thousand years, two-day thing. Right? It's going to be quick when He comes back. Like our X amount of years we've been on this earth are going to be a drop in the bucket when we're with Him face to face. You know what I mean? It's going to be... I always think of the analogy. I can remember, not to the vanishing point, but I can go back to maybe different aspects of second grade or third grade. I can remember something that might have happened in seventh grade. One or two isolated incidents. But I look back to, say, seventh grade, and boy, it seems, so, it seems long ago, but it happened so fast to get to this point today. So I know the next 15, 20 years, whatever, Lord willing, are going to go fast because I know how the past years have gone so quickly. I also know that some days seem forever. Some weeks seem like a month. But it's not like our high school students where one day can seem like a year sometimes. That has never happened again to me. It happened when I was a little kid, but no more. Days are just flying by. They just go, right? They just pick up speed every birthday. Okay? And then you think of those 3,475 days left. It's like, whoa. So our prayer is to teach us to number our days. That every day, we use it to accomplish something eternal. 
Can you and I do that? Can we use every day to accomplish something eternal? I say yes. You can do it definitely for yourself by just hanging out with the Lord more. You can do it for others by building into their lives. By reaching out to others and seeing how the Lord opens doors and go for it. So we can build eternity every day. And we should do that. I just want to encourage you to do that. And also that we may gain a heart of wisdom. You know, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Look over here at this outlet. I'm afraid of that outlet. But I'll use that outlet to plug in a, a lamp or a stereo. And it will produce some good things that we can use in a positive way. But I will not go over there and stick a knife in there or a paper clip because I have a healthy fear and reverence for that outlet. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. How is your healthy respect and love for the Lord? Verse 13, Return, O Lord, how long? And have compassion on your servants. Boy, can picture Moses now, 40 years as that shepherd with those stinking sheep. And now, he's 40 years in the desert, and I'm sure he could say sometimes with those stinking people. And it, couldn't, it wasn't easy for Moses all the time, as we know. You and I deal with people. Think about three million of them complaining. The bleeding of sheep were probably a greater sound. He wishes he was back in the, in the sheepfold listening to all those bleeding sheep rather than the people complaining. How about you and me? The complaints of people. How does it affect us? Could be within your own family. Could be on the job. Could be in the church. How does it affect you? How many times do we say, Lord, come back today? When are you coming back for me? But notice how Moses finishes verse 13 Have compassion on your servants. We see now the other side of Moses the compassion, the love. But the thing I want you to see in this verse 13 is servants. Three million are going to die in the wilderness. Many have died. You notice the adjectives that he uses. Servants. They're not lost. Yeah, they're not going to enter the promised land like Joshua or Caleb. But they're still servants of God. The ones who have repented and turned and followed the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses, and your God and my God. See, it's never too late for us to change the direction we're heading. Even though you're a Christian, you might be heading in the wrong direction with the way you're thinking about a situation. My prayer tonight is maybe there's just something that God is pricking your heart, saying, you know, I need to go this way instead of the way I was headed. 
Verse 14, O satisfy us early with your mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. I want to encourage you, if you've been doing this, to continue to do it. If you haven't been doing this, to start doing it. And that is spend time with God early in the day. You know, I hear sometimes that people spend time with God later in the day. You know, when their day is done. I want to encourage you to do it early in the morning. Before you leave the house. Because God knows everything that's coming that day. And even if it's just a few minutes in the morning spent with Him, I think it's better in the morning than at night after everything's hit you all day. And then you might be like one of those bleeding sheep or people in the wilderness just complaining. When do we have the joy? When we're dwelling in His presence. The end of that verse 14. We may rejoice and be glad all our days when we spend that time with Him. When we're dwelling in His presence. And and He's our home. If you're not rejoicing and being glad each day, understand it's simple to remedy. Just sit with your Lord. Find that time to hang out with Him early. So He can bless you and strengthen you. And He'll be the joy of your day. Each day is given to us by God. So in return, give God each day. Just give it to Him back. Verse 15. Make us glad according to the days in which You have afflicted us. The years in which we have seen evil. I hope your days, throughout all the days that you've had up to this point, you can say, well, I've had a lot more good days than I've had real bad or terrible days or afflicted days. I hope you can say that, that there's been more good days with the Lord than bad days that I can remember, even though at times maybe those bad days seem forever. And hopefully those bad days just brought you to a greater appreciation of your Savior and your Lord and drew you closer to Him. And as a result, He was closer to you. Verse 16, Let your work appear to your servants and your glory to their children. I love that again, how Moses used the term servants Especially as you realize the people he was referring to are the ones that aren't going to make it to the promised land. They're still his servants. That's an encouragement to me that he calls his son, and you're his son or you're his daughter, you're his child, you're his friend. You're no longer a slave, but a child. You're an heir. You have a great inheritance awaiting you. And the, the seal of that inheritance is the Holy Spirit that God has given you. Are you listening to His Holy Spirit as He shows you different things that are going on in your heart, in your life today? Verse 17, And let the beauty of the Lord... Our God be upon us. 
and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Beauty from ashes. The beauty of the Lord. God can take something that has been destroyed in your life, build it back up and make it beautiful again. He can restore the day that the locust destroyed. What is it you're wishing the Lord to do in your heart, in your life today? It's not too late. And nothing's impossible for our God. Give that to Him and let Him make out of something that you think is dead or burnt up. Make it beautiful again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in every single thing you do and He'll direct your paths. Enter into the promises of God so you're not in the wilderness experience. You don't want to die in the wilderness experience. You don't want to have a sigh when you die. You want to have the beauty of the Lord. You want to have the joy of the Lord. You want to have the expectation. Let's go. Let's go for it. And establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Moses here says the same thing twice to emphasize the importance of who's doing the establishing. It's only God that can establish your hands and my hands. It's only the Lord that can uh, make our walk with Him steadfast, straight, and true. It's only the Lord that can establish our hearts for works of service to Him. It's not us. It's not us. It's His sovereignty. It's His grace. It's His power. It's His strength. It's His Spirit. It's not you or I. But yet He chooses to call us out of the wilderness into His promise. Or promises. Two Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. We don't see things clearly right now, but every once in a while we get a glimpse. God opens up for us to see a little more clearly so we can take another step. And if you've had a hard time, if you've been struggling with something, there's been a lot of tears. Remember, every tear is a stepping stone towards the promises of God toward a greater realization of what God wants to do in your life so you see Him more clearly and love Him more dearly. just want to close on this. Can you imagine? We know that all of history is His story. Can you imagine everything that happened in the story of Moses happened today? 2008. You can see it now. Moses, I got good news and I got bad news. What do you want first? And Moses goes, oh merciful God, if I brought you any favor, give me the good news first. 
So God goes, Moses, I've chosen you to deliver my people from the bondage that they're in. There's going to be plagues of locusts and frogs and flies. There's going to be death. Pharaoh's army is going to chase you, but don't fear. Because I'm going to open up the waters of the Red Sea and leave you to safety and get you out of there. And Moses goes, well, what's the bad news? Well, Moses, you have to prepare an environmental impact statement. (laughs) Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you, Lord, for the impact.